0: want to begin a series this morning that uh, though I've preached on it many times I've never really just taken the time to uh, teach extensively on this subject and uh, so I want to do that today at least get the introduction done today and I don't know how deep we'll get into it uh, in today's lesson but we will at least lay a foundation Go forward from here Galatians chapter 5 we're going to begin with verse number 16 Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16 the Apostle Paul is writing and he says this I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary the one to the other So that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, Gentleness, goodness, faith. Meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Praise God. Hallelujah. And so today, the Lord willing, I want to begin a series on the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, I believe it's important that we understand it because it needs to be in, present in our life. Amen? It needs to be present in our life. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. So let's pray this morning. Let's ask the Lord to speak to our hearts and uh, ask Him to help us that we might produce the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Let's everyone talk to the Lord together right now. Jesus, we love you. Thank you, God, for your goodness. I appreciate your presence in this place. I'm asking, God, that you would help me today. God, that you would direct my thoughts. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Let's praise Him together, everybody. Can we do that? Let's praise the Lord. I love you, Jesus. I thank you, Master. I worship you. I worship you. I worship you. I worship you. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Before I actually get into the fruit of the Spirit, I think there are some things that need to be said and need to be addressed. First and foremost, I want to talk to you about the importance of bearing fruit in our life. Uh, John chapter 15, if you would turn there with me. John chapter 15, we're going to begin with verse number 1. You know, Jesus many times spoke in parables. But there were some times that he just spoke plainly. Amen. In fact, uh, the, the time in which he was on his way... To Lazarus and uh, he said to his disciples Lazarus sleepeth and I go that I might wake him and the disciples said Lord if he's sleeping he does well the Bible says then Jesus spake plainly unto them and said Lazarus is dead amen now there are times when he says he's asleep and we have to try to figure out what he means and then there are other times when he says he's dead and there's no question John chapter 15, the Lord gives us, though He's speaking in somewhat of a parable, He's really speaking very plainly, and it doesn't take a whole lot of interpreting to understand what the Lord says here in John 15. Let's read through this, beginning with verse number 1.
1: I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it. And that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine. Ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him. The same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me. He is cast forth as a branch and is withered and men gather him g- gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned if ye abide in me and my words abide in you ye shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you Now pay attention to verse 8 Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit so shall ye be my disciples This is pretty easy to understand isn't it
0: The Father is glorified Amen. When we are His true disciples. And we are only His true disciples when we are bearing much fruit. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. And so shall you be my disciples. Obviously one of the reasons God saved us in the first place is so that we would bear much fruit. It should then be our desire to be productive in the kingdom of God. We don't want to just be a tree that's taking up nutrients from everybody else. Hallelujah. We want to be productive. We want to produce something. We want something happening in our lives. Well, praise God. Amen. Amen. Now, let me just say this. Fruit... Is not winning souls. Winning souls is important. And winning souls I believe is the product of our fruit. But really the fruit that we are talking about is is what we do. It's who we are. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 verses 16 to 20.
1: Ye shall know them by their fruits.
0: You know them by their fruits.
1: Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Uh huh. Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. If it's a good tree, it's going to bring forth good fruit. But a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. But if it's a corrupt tree, it's going to bring forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down. And cast into the fire. Wherefore by their fruit ye shall know them. You
0: shall know them. Now John the Baptist also confirmed this. We're going to go through a few things here very quickly. Uh, John the Baptist confirmed this in Luke chapter 3 verses 8 through 14. Talking about fruit and what fruit really represents in our life. Read.
1: Bring forth therefore fruits worthy of
0: repentance. Bring forth fruits that prove you have repented.
1: And begin not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the tree. Every tree therefore which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. And the people asked him saying, what shall we do then? So, So he says bring forth good fruit. And they said, all right, well explain that to us. So here's what he says. He answered and said to them. He that hath two coats, let him impart to him that hath none. And he that hath meat, let him do likewise. Uh-huh. Then came also publicans to be baptized and said unto him, Master, what shall we do? What shall we do? How do we produce fruit? What what do you want out of us? Read. And he said unto them, Except exact no more than that which is appointed to you. All right. And the soldiers likewise demanded of him, saying, What shall we do? And the and
0: soldiers said, You tell us to bring forth good fruit. Tell us how to do that. What are we? What's expected of us?
1: And he said to them, Do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages.
0: And so we can see very clearly that John the Baptist taught them that the fruit they were bearing was a reflection of their life. It was the way they lived Amen. It was the way they lived. Fruit is not winning souls. Fruit is living a life that is pleasing to God. And the things that we do as a result of being a good tree represents the fruit that is naturally born of a good tree. The Apostle Paul uh, also dealt with this. Ephesians chapter 5 verses 8 through 11.
1: For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the world. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Prove what's acceptable to the Lord, and? And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. No fellowship with
0: the unfruitful works of darkness. But rather reprove them. But rather reprove them. Titus chapter 3, verse 14.
1: And let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses. Good works that ye, that they be, be not unfruitful. And
0: so, so I, just, I just want to get the right concept as we begin this study of the fruit of the Spirit. We talk about bearing fruit. We're, we're not talking about some of the things that some people think bearing fruit is. But what we're really dealing with is your life. Right. Your whole outlook, your attitude, who you are, what you are. Amen. Amen. Now, I, I want to also stress... That God expects abundant productivity. God's not satisfied with part-time Christianity. God wants abundant fruit. Now now, now think about this. Jesus gave a parable in Matthew 13 about the different kinds of ground. You you remember that story? And, And in that, he finally gets down to that fourth ground that was called good ground. And in the good ground, notice what he says about the good ground. Matthew 13, verse
1: 8. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold. Some brought forth a
0: hundredfold. Some sixtyfold. Some sixtyfold. And some thirtyfold. Some thirtyfold. Notice he didn't say there was good ground that didn't bring forth anything. If it was good ground, it brought forth. And it didn't bring forth one-fold or two-fold, but, but the least among them brought forth thirty-fold. Now that's pretty good returns. In fact, that's very good returns. Hallelujah. And God says, this is what I'm expecting of you. I don't want you to be content with just looking at your life and saying, well, I do a few good things. Well, I'm, I'm okay. I show up for church once in a while. I, I do this. I pray once. I try to read my Bible when I get it. God's not looking for that. Do you hear me? God wants us to be abundantly productive in our lives. Abundantly productive. Now. The other thing that I need to say before we actually get into the fruit of the Spirit here is I need to talk about the other side of the coin. Because in our text, the Apostle Paul gives two lists. The one we are most familiar with, and, and I saw even some of you trying to quote along as we read those verses, and it is something that you need to know and memorize and this is one of those passages that ought to be familiar to us as we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. And we, we, we ought to know these things by, our, by heart. But the, but the preceding verses are something we should also be aware of. Because Paul says there are two things that are going to be the result of your life. It's either going to be the fruit of the Spirit or... It's going to be the works of the flesh. Well, hallelujah. Now, I want, us to, I want us to take some time here this morning because generally we just read through this list and don't really pay attention to what it is. But, but I want us to look at these things. I want us to take the time to understand what each of them means. And then we're going to talk about the significance of this list. Let's go over to Galatians chapter 5. And we're going to start with verse number 19. And if you would, Brother Jared, just just kind of let me get through each word here. Uh, We're going to explain as he goes through this list. Before you move on to the next verse, let let me finish explaining the terms here. I want us to understand what Paul says are the works of the flesh. Now, this is a contrast to what the Spirit does in our life. And let's look at what they are. Let's read. Matthew, uh, I'm sorry, Galatians 5, verse 19.
1: Now, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these? They're these. Adultery. First of all, adultery. Now, now some of these words are pretty much self
0: explanatory, and I think most of us understand what it is. But, but adult, uh, adultery is having sexual relations between a married person and someone other than his or her lawful spouse. That's, that's, that's the definition of adultery. In this, in this world today, I'm telling you, it's sad that we have to explain these things. But the world today really doesn't understand where God draws the line. God still says that the only way that sex is acceptable is within the confines of marriage. That's still in the Bible. That's still in the Bible. Yes. Amen. And adultery is a work of the flesh. Alright, right. Right. the next one is?
1: Fornication.
0: Fornication. Very closely related. But, but let me tell you, it's, it's interesting when you look at the original Greek language. The Greek word for fornication is pornea. It is the word from which we get our English word, Pornography. And the word fornication literally means any kind of sexual sin. Now there is adultery which involves a married person. At least one of the parties is married. That's adultery. Any other kind of sexual sin is fornication. And God is against it. Whether it be an actual act of the flesh or looking at it online or in a magazine or on a video screen, it's still fornication. Jesus said anybody that looks at a woman with lust in his heart has committed adultery with her in his heart. Now you're not going to hear this preached in a lot of pulpits, but I'm going to tell you it's still in the Bible. Well, hallelujah. And it is a work of the flesh. The next one. Uncleanness. 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 Now, the Greek word that's used here is another one of these things that's very interesting. Um, The Greek lexicon says that it means uncleanness, which is either physical or, in a moral sense, the impurity of lustful Luxurious, profligate living, and doing so of impure motives. Lustful, luxurious, profligate living. Now, the word profligate means utterly and shamelessly immoral. It means to be recklessly prodigal or extravagant. In other words, to to pursue the extremes of immorality. Uncleanness.
1: What's the next word? Lasciviousness.
0: Lasciviousness. Now this word simply means uh, inclined to lustfulness. So I mean the first rattle out of the box. The apostle Paul hits it four times. Boom, 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 boom. You better keep yourself morally pure. Right. Morally pure. Hallelujah, you stay away from pornography, you don't have sexual relations with somebody besides your wife, All right. you don't look at it, you don't think about it, you don't daydream about it, you don't have lustful thoughts, Right. this is lasciviousness, and it's a work of the flesh. Alright, what's the next one that he lists for us? Let's, let's move on to verse 20 idolatry the next one is idolatry idolatry and you know as, as I was going through this list and I was, I was finding definitions and researching these words uh, yesterday I knew that with each of these I could give scripture after scripture I could take you so far we could, we could spend all day talking about the works of the flesh and that's not really where I want to spend today's lesson But yet it is important that we understand them. We just kind of skip over that and go right to the fruit of the Spirit. But we've got to understand this list of the works of the flesh as well. And and the word idolatry simply means the worship of images. Or the worship of other gods. But it goes far beyond that. Because I'm telling you, anything that comes between you and God is idolatry. And I want you to know that the worst form of idolatry, and it is Present. See, sitting here in this crowd today, we'd have people who say, Well, I'm not an idolater. I don't worship idols. And I want to tell you the worst form of idolatry, and it is present everywhere you go, is selfishness. Because you become your own God. Well, hallelujah. Um. Let's, let's, let's move on. I'm, I'm debating whether to, to go any further with this. I could really work on this for a little while here. But, but let's move on to the next one at least. And then, then I'll, I'll try to decide if we're going to go any farther with this. What, what is the next one? After idolatry is?
1: Witchcraft.
0: Witchcraft. Now, this is interesting. And again, I could give you, I could give you all kinds of scriptures about witchcraft. And, uh, and, and, and I'm telling you, there is a, there is a resurgency of interest in witchcraft today. Now thankfully my children are grown. But if they were still at home. I'm going to tell you. As for me and my house. They would not be reading Harry Potter. Listen. Witchcraft is a work of the flesh. And I don't want my kids pursuing the works of the flesh. Well hallelujah. <clears throat> but there's a lot of other forms of witchcraft that we need to be aware of, such as horoscopes, following the signs of the Zodiac and trying to determine your life based on it, Ouija boards. And I'm going to tell you, there, there are a lot of computer games today that, that even young adults are getting involved in that are totally Consumed with witchcraft. And yet it's still a work of the flesh. Now, another interesting thing about this is the Greek word that is used here is pharmakia. Does that sound familiar to anybody? It, it, is, it is the word from which we get our English word, Pharmacy. And the Greek word pharmakia literally means the use of medications or magic for the purpose of manipulating others. Now, I'm not telling you that you're involved in witchcraft if you take an aspirin. What I am telling you is that the use of illegal or, or not illegal doesn't matter if they're legal or not, because one day they may legalize some of it. I should say illicit. Mind altering substances is witchcraft. It is witchcraft. And I'm telling you, many, many people have become demon possessed because of drug abuse. And they have opened themselves to all kinds of spirits. It's not just a recreational drug unless you want to consider witchcraft a recreation. It's not a recreation I'm interested in being a part of. This is not in your list, but I'm going to go ahead and, and, and go to it. Go over to 1 Samuel chapter 15. Seems like we heard this just real recently. but just Because we're talking about forms of witchcraft and even idolatry. To go back and pick up the one before that. Um. Go go to uh, verse. Uh, let's start with verse twenty-two. Read verses twenty-two and twenty-three, and then we'll come back and pick up this list again. First Samuel fifteen twenty-two.
1: And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord?" Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. To obey is better
0: than sacrifice. And to
1: hearken than the fat to of rams.
0: To is better than the fat of rams. Read.
1: For rebellion is as a For sin of witchcraft. rebellion
0: rich is the same as witchcraft.
1: And stubbornness Stubbornness is as the, iniquity is the same as iniquity ad- and adultery.
0: Idolatry. So, so this is why I say I, the, the worst form of idolatry That is widely present today is selfishness. Stubbornness. A person is stubborn because they're selfish. Because they're convinced they are right. And the Bible says that for you to be stubborn is the same as idolatry. You are serving a different God. And the God is you. He says rebellion is like witchcraft. Now how is that? Well, remember that witchcraft involves the the, the manipulation. I'll get the word out in a minute. The manipulation of others. And I'm telling you that when a spirit of rebellion settles on somebody, you watch them, they start becoming manipulative. They want to get with everybody they can get with. They'll say whatever they've got to say to win them to their side. They are doing whatever they can to manipulate spirits. It's rebellion. And it is the same as witchcraft. And the Apostle Paul says witchcraft is a work of the flesh. Well, praise God. Amen. Now, let me throw in one more verse of Scripture here. First Corinthians chapter six verse twelve. This I think is in your list. I did go ahead and put this one on there. First Corinthians six and twelve should be down there somewhere. Um, we're talking about these substances being witchcraft and manipulation and and all of that. Let's let's look at one verse of scripture here that's important. First Corinthians six and
1: twelve. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will but not. I will not. Be brought be under brought the power of any. Under the power
0: of any. Now, here's what I want you to understand. We're talking about witchcraft. We're talking about the use of substances, uh, mind altering substances. We're, we're talking, Paul said, even if it's lawful for me, if it brings me under its power, I won't use it. If it takes control of my facilities, if it starts making my decisions for me. I'm not going to be a part of it. Because that's witchcraft. Right. It's witchcraft. And I'm not going to do it. So the manipula- manipulation of spirits. Whether human or evil. Falls under the category of witchcraft. Witchcraft. Alright. Let's go back to our list. In Galatians chapter 5. And I think we're at verse 20. I think. Is that right? Alright. Idolatry. Witchcraft. What's the next one? Hatred. Oh. Hatred. Now. The Greek word here is actually plural. Hatreds. And and the lexicon says this means hostility. It means opposition. It means enmity. The word enmity means a feeling or condition of hostility, hatred, ill will, animosity, or antagonism. All this is a work of the flesh is trying to antagonize people, trying to oppose people. That's a work of the flesh. That's a work of the flesh. Well, hallelujah. Yes, sir. It is a work of the flesh. Anytime a person is trying to create opposition, it's a work of the flesh. That's not the spirit. Right. That's a work of the flesh. Amen. And, and in fact, again, the apostle just kind of starts into a category just like he did with sexual sins. He kind of gets into a category here where he says the same thing in several different ways so he makes sure he covers every side of this thing. We're talking about hatred, which is hostility or opposition, ill will, uh, antagonism. And then the next word is... Variance. Variance. And this is a Greek word that simply means a quarrel, a debate... Well, how far do I go here? It's kind of like when the pastor's trying to teach and somebody feels like they have to correct him. All right, That's variance. That's a work of the flesh. What's the next one? Emulations. The next one is emulations. And what does this mean? The Greek word here, interestingly, is, is zealous. That's the Greek word. But, but the commentators say that as it's used in this context, it means to be zealous for the sake of your own advantage. In other words, there is some kinds, there are some kinds of zeal that are important and even necessary and that God approves of. In fact, Jesus said, the zeal of thy house has eaten me up. And, and the Lord approves of a zeal for God and the things of God. What he does not approve of is a zeal for your own advantage. God does not approve of that. That's a work of the flesh. All right, what's the next one? Wrath. Wrath. This word means fierceness or indignation. Uh, And and one man defines it as passionate outbreaks. We, We would call this flying off the handle. Losing our temper. Losing your temper is not a work of the Spirit. It's a work of the flesh. Well, hallelujah. So so we've got hatred. We've got variance, emulation, wrath. What's the next one? Strife. Strife. This word literally means to create factions. Or what we today call cliques. And, And the root word literally means a worker that has been hired. In other words, you bring somebody to your employment. And as it's used here as strife, what we're talking about is getting people to to your side. I want people to stand with me on this. I want you on my side of this issue. And what you're doing is you're creating strife. A work of the flesh. A work of the flesh. What's the next one?
1: Seditions.
0: The next word is seditions. And the Greek word means disunion or dissension. All this just ties right in together, doesn't it? Creating dissension. No, that's not right. No, I'm right. That's dissension. It's a work of the flesh. What's the next one?
1: Heresies.
0: Heresies. Now, this this is almost the same as as sedition. With the exception that with heresy, it is based upon... Religious concepts or doctrinal concepts. So in other words, with seditions, you're, you're dissenting, you're arguing, you are, you, you, you're trying to convince people that you're right and, and the other person's wrong about maybe secular issues. But with heresy, it is a doctrinal issue. With, with heresies, you are trying to create divisions within the church based on what is taught in the church. Hallelujah. And 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 it has come to mean, the word heresy has come to mean that, that it is it is in opposition to the accepted teachings of the church. So what the church teaches, what this church has accepted, if somebody comes in and starts trying to spread other ideas and concepts, that's heresy. That's heresy. All right, the next word. We go on now to verse 21. Envyings. Envyings. Now, this word envy is defined simply as a feeling of discontent or covetousness with regard to another's advantages, success, uh, possessions. So in other words, looking at someone and wanting what they have. Being jealous of what they possess. Envyings. All right, the next one. Murders. Murder, and this word is the killing of another human being with malice. And, and, of course, again, I can take you to scriptures where murder is defined in other ways because uh, the Apostle John said, if you hate your brother without a cause, you are a murderer. And, and so, so, murders. And then the next one. Drunkenness. Alright, drunkenness. The word, uh, the Greek word simply means to be intoxicated. It means to be intoxicated. You know, I've had people say, well, I'm just, you know, I was just slightly intoxicated. I wasn't drunk. Well, the fact is they both mean the same thing. The word intoxicated to me means, and listen to this. This may come as a surprise to some of you. But the word intoxicated means to be affected temporarily with diminished physical and mental control by means of alcoholic liquor, a drug, or another substance. That's all it means. That you have been temporarily affected with diminished physical and mental control. You don't have to be falling over to be intoxicated. Seems to me that I've read after one drink our reaction slows down. And any time our physical or mental ability is impaired by a substance, we are then, by definition, intoxicated. And Paul said, this is a work of the flesh. And then he goes on. Revelings. Revelings. Now, this word carries the previous word even further because the word here is, is defined as carousal or carousing. And, and that word means to be involved in, in drinking parties. It's, it's, it's a lot more than just a slight intoxication, but it's going beyond. Revelings is where drunkenness leads you. And then... The next thing he says.
1: And such like.
0: And such like. So, so here's what he says. He says this is not an exhaustive list. You may be able to come up with a few things that, uh, that Paul didn't put here in this list. He said I wasn't trying to tell you everything that's a work of the flesh. But I'm telling you anything that is like this. In fact, the Greek word means similar in appearance or character. If if, if it's relative to this in any way. Similar to these things in any way. That's why I can make the examples that I've used. That's why I can make the parallels and, and draw the analogies I've drawn this morning. Because Paul said, I'm not just dealing with this word specifically, but I'm dealing with anything that relates to this word. Anything that implies this word. Amen. Now, what did he say about these things and such like?
1: Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time this past. This is not
0: the first time I've told you this.
1: That they which do such things—
0: whoever does such things, not just these things, but such things—
1: shall not inherit. Is not going the kingdom to inherit of the
0: kingdom of God. You know, I believe that's why he said what he did in First Thessalonians five and twenty-two. First Thessalonians five twenty-two. Let's look at this.
1: Abstain from all appearance of evil.
0: If it appears evil, stay away from it. If it even appears evil, just stay away from it. Because anybody that does such things is not going to inherit the kingdom of God. You say, well preacher, I've done those things. What do I do now? Am I eternally damned to hell? No. There is an altar. And you can repent. And there is a God who is faithful and just to forgive. And He does forgive genuine repentance. Hallelujah. But This is where we get into what, what John said when he said bring forth fruits, meet for repentance. If you're going to prove your repentance, you've got to change. Repentance is not just saying you're sorry. Repentance is being sorry enough to change. Now, if you are that sorry, you will say it. But you're not just going to say it. You're going to do it. Hallelujah. Everybody still with me this morning? I know we've we've had to walk through a negative list here, but but we're trying to get down to the positive. Praise God. And thank God there is a positive. Thank God we don't have to just dwell on the works of the flesh. Praise God. But but I, I don't know if you noticed this. But... It is interesting to me that the Apostle Paul calls this list the works of the flesh. But the next list, the fruit of the Spirit. There's a difference between works and fruit. One is what you do. The other is what the Spirit does in and through you. Now, let me tell you this. You really ought to mark Galatians chapter 5 in your Bible. And ever so often, you ought to do a little self-test. Everybody still awake? You ought to do a little self-test. And you ought to read down through the works of the flesh and then read through the fruit of the Spirit. And ask yourself, which of these two best describes me? Now, we're still flesh. We're still human. Most likely, we are at some point in our life going to be able to look at both lists and say, you know, I've got some of each. But there are two things you've got to consider. Number one, which one is more prevalent And number two, which way am I headed? In other words, are there more works of the flesh today than fruits of the Spirit or fruit of the Spirit? Uh, Am I gaining more works of the flesh as, as time passes? Or am I laying more of those things down and showing more of the fruit of the Spirit as time passes? Are you following me? You ought to look at these two lists and ask yourself which one best describes me. It is somewhat of a spiritual thermometer. Well, hallelujah. If you have more works of the flesh than you've got fruit of the spirit, you're more carnal than you are spiritual. And so if you want to produce more fruit, there's two things that you've got to do. And it's really pretty simple. Everybody with me? How many of you want to produce more fruit? The rest of you don't? Well, I I hope that you change your mind. Um, There's two things. It's it's really pretty simple here as far as the answer. Now, accomplishing this goal may take a little bit more work. But the answer is pretty simple. Two verses of Scripture. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18.
1: And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit.
0: So, drunkenness was one of the works of the flesh, right? He says, here's your choice. You can follow the works of the flesh or just be filled with the Spirit. And if you'll get filled with the Spirit, the Spirit will produce fruit through you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So get filled with the Spirit. That's number one. And let me just say this. Just because you've received the Spirit doesn't mean you're full of the Spirit. There is a difference. The the apostles and and, uh, 120, actually 3,120 or thereabouts, Receive the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2. But in Acts chapter 4 they go back and are filled with the Holy Ghost again. So Just because you received it doesn't mean you're full of it today. This command was not to sinners. It was to the church at Ephesus. He's telling them you need to be filled with the Spirit. I'm telling you, every one of us, it ought to be our goal. I want to be full of the Holy Ghost. I've, I've, I've used the example before. We used to keep a pitcher and, and glass of water here, and it was easier to do at that point. Um, but, but I would take a glass and fill it to the top. And if that glass is really full, what happens when it gets jarred? Whatever's inside the glass comes out. If the glass is full, right? Whatever's inside spills out. In fact, it doesn't even take a whole lot of jarring for it to spill out. If it's really full, the slightest movement and it spills out. So I'm telling you that the test comes when you're jarred. When you're hit with something in this life, what comes out? Well, somebody said, oh, I don't know where that word came from. I'll tell you where it came from. It came out of your heart. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Hallelujah. So whatever's down there is going to come out. That's what you are full of. But if you'll get full of the Holy Ghost, then when life jars you, the only thing that's going to come out is Holy Ghost. What's going to be seen, what's going to be experienced by everyone around is not the works of the flesh. It's going to be the fruit of the Spirit. When you're full of the Spirit. So we get filled with the Spirit. What do we do then? Galatians chapter 5 verse 16.
1: Then I say then, walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So it's kind of a cycle
0: there, isn't it? First of
1: all, get filled with the Spirit and then once you're filled with it,
0: walk in it. In other words, do what you know it's going to take to keep the Spirit there. Don't walk places that you know the Spirit Wouldn't want you to go Don't read things you know the Spirit Wouldn't want you to read Don't listen to things you know the Spirit Wouldn't want you to listen to Don't look at things you know the Spirit Wouldn't want you to look at And on the other hand Do the things you know the Spirit Would want you to do Does the Spirit want you to pray Does the Spirit want you to read your Bible Does the Spirit want you to come to church Does the Spirit want you to witness? Does the Spirit want you to worship? Does the Spirit want you to sit like a dime store Indian during a church service? No, that's not the Spirit. Do the things you know the Spirit wants you to do and don't do the things you know the Spirit doesn't want you to do. Walk in it. Get filled with it. That's easy enough. Getting filled with it is really a very easy process. It's walking in it that takes some work. But you've got to make up your mind, I'm going to walk in the Spirit. Because if I walk in the Spirit, what's going to happen? I will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. When I start fulfilling the lusts or the carnal desires of my flesh, that's a sign I am not walking in the Spirit. When I start doing the things that are on this list of the works of the flesh, if I'm creating a little click, are you young people listening? I heard adults say Amen, but I didn't hear any young people say Amen. Are you young people listening? I'm telling you, clicks are the worst thing in the world when it comes to youth groups. It, it's it's uh, a natural part of a carnal youth group. And the minute young people become carnal, they start dividing up. Hallelujah. You know, it, it, I'm telling you, it's the truth. You, you get in here and have a good Holy Ghost service and get them all prayed through, and what happens? Oh, they're all hugging one another and, and they're best of friends. But give them two or three days, they don't want to talk. Well, you can't be my friend. Well, you can't. No, no, I'm going with so-and-so. I'm not going with you. I, I don't want you coming to my... No, no. That's a work of the flesh. That tells me you're not walking in the Spirit. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Hallelujah. You are following your flesh, your carnality. Well, praise God. I told you we probably wouldn't get very far today. I didn't know if we'd get into the actual fruit of the Spirit, and I... I don't know that we will, but, but uh, it's important before we get into the individual facets of the fruit of the Spirit. These are some things that we need to understand about what God's expecting of us. Amen. We really need to be examining our lives. We, we've talked about letting this year be the year of a new dimension for new life. And I want to see that happen. And I believe many of you do as well. But the only way that's going to happen is if we start living differently. Well, hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. So, the only way to get something new is to do something different. They say that the real sign of of idiocy is to keep doing the same thing over and over and expect different results. That's what I've been told. (laughs) A person is is for sure crazy. They're out of their mind if they keep doing the same thing and think they're going to get a different result when they do it. You know what? We've got some of us that must be spiritually crazy because we keep living the same way we've always lived but we expect to draw closer to God as a result. It's not going to happen. If we're going to get into a new dimension in the spirit, we're going to have to make some changes. And, and I'm telling you, this is, this is the way we know whether we're succeeding at making those changes. Listen, there is no clearer picture than if you just simply take this list. In fact, if you want to print it out, you can, there, are, there are scriptures online. You can go to, to, to places and, and just copy and paste and print out the scriptures for the works of the flesh in one list, the fruit of the Spirit another list. And then ever so often, go back and check yourself. Which way am I headed? What am I doing? Which one represents me? Which one am I closer to? Am I making progress? Now, we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to say fruit. It is not fruits with an S. It is fruit. And, and understand that fruit is simply That which is born under healthy circumstances. It's a natural result. It's an outcropping, if you please, that's produced without effort. So long as the proper circumstances exist. If you've got an apple tree, you don't have to pump and prime that apple tree to give you apples. If it's getting the right nutrients, it's got plenty of water, plenty of sunshine... It's just going to have apples on it. As long as there's no worms there, there's no disease, there's no, it, it's going to have apples. It just happens that way. God created it that way, didn't he? God created, in, in Genesis chapter 1, that, that every seed would bring forth after its kind. And so it's just natural for this thing to, to produce fruit. You don't have to work at it. You don't have to strive at it. it, it it's not something that the tree has to say, mm, come on, come on, come on. I need an apple to pop out right now. And, and you're not going to get apples on the tree by going out and, and, and gluing plastic ones to the branch and saying, now see these? This is what you're supposed to do. You just make sure the tree is healthy And you get good apples. It just happens. Anybody with me? Now, I'm telling you this. I'm telling you that the fruit of the Spirit, the visible attributes that are produced through us by the power of the Holy Ghost is not something that we're going to just sit around and say, "Mm, I'm going to try to have more love. I'm going to try to have more joy. No, you're wasting your time. Somebody's biting their nails and pacing the floor. Oh, oh, I'm going to try to be more peaceful. No, no, you're wasting your time. You can't make it happen. It's the fruit of the Spirit. So here's what I'm telling you. If this fruit's going to be born in your life, what you've got to do is to have a relationship with the Spirit. You get in the Holy Ghost and He'll give you peace. Get in the Holy Ghost, He'll give you joy. Get in the Holy Ghost, He'll give you love. You get full of the Holy Ghost, you walk in the Spirit, you're gonna be meek. You're gonna be gentle. You're gonna be long suffering. Is anybody hearing me this morning? We're talking about the fruit, the natural production that, that comes from having the Spirit in your life. It's not a matter of trying to produce more fruit. If we're going to make a determination in this process, we should just determine to be more full of the Spirit. John 15. Remember remember this passage? We started out uh, early with this passage in John chapter 15 where Jesus laid out these things about how important it is that we bear fruit. Let's look at some of these verses
1: again here for just a few moments. Look at verse 4. Abide in me and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except you abide in me.
0: Listen, there is no verse that better says what I just got through telling you than this one.
1: You want to produce the fruit
0: of the Spirit? You can't produce it by yourself. The only way you're going to produce it is to abide in Christ. You get a relationship with Him. You fall in love with Him. You allow Him to work in your life. You get full of His Spirit. You start walking in His Spirit, and I'm telling you, you're going to have fruit. But you separate yourself from Him. You couldn't produce this fruit if you wanted to. You may come up with some plastic apples. You know, we, especially right now, we're into the full-fledged political season. And, and, and I like to talk about the plastered-on smiles. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Plastered-on. They they're, they're painted on. They're not smiling because they're happy. They're smiling because they want you to believe they're happy. And, and I'm saying, t- yeah, yeah, we can we can make people believe we've got peace. We can make people believe we've got love. We can make people believe we've got joy. That doesn't mean we've got it. But these things come as a natural result of being full of the Spirit, of having a relationship with Jesus Christ, a real relationship with Him. It's just natural. Now, now listen. I said a while ago, God expects abundant productivity. Well, how do we get there? How, how do we get to that abundant productivity? It's not just a matter of either you're productive or you're... Uh, e- either you're not productive or you're abundantly productive. It, it's, not, it's not that. It's not the two extremes. It's really not. Let me show you something. Look, look again at... at Verse 2. John 15, verse 2. Let's look at this.
1: Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away.
0: Here's the first level. Is no fruit at all. There are some branches that are just bearing no fruit. And and look at what the Bible says he does with those. He takes them away. I mean, he he just takes it away. Now listen. Anybody that believes once saved, always saved. Is going to have a hard time with this verse. Because the Bible's talking about branches. It's not talking about sinners. It's talking about people that have come to God. But if they're not producing fruit. He takes them away. Doesn't say he just leaves them there. Anybody here ever. Well I don't want to. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Alright so, so the first level is no fruit at all. And if that's the case. He takes them away, and in fact, he even deals with this um, in, in another place. Uh, let's, let's go to verse 6, John 15, verse 6.
1: If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned.
0: Is there any question what he's talking about here? If a, if a branch is not bearing fruit, it's taken away, and what he says, done with it? It's cast into the fire. Now you tell me how once saved, always saved fits into that picture. It doesn't fit. It doesn't work. Jesus is plainly saying, if you're going to be a part of of me, you're going to be one of my branches, you're going to produce. I expect you to produce. If you're not going to produce, you're going to be cut off. And cast into the fire. All right, so, so we know we've got to produce, but how much does he want us to produce? Well, let's go back. We didn't finish verse 2, did we? Let's go back and, and look at, at verse 2 again.
1: And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it.
0: All right, so he said the branch that does not bear fruit is taken away. And then later he says his thrown into the fire. Now he says, if you're bearing fruit, he does what? He purgeth it. He purges. Now, this word purge literally in the Greek means to prune. Anybody ever pruned a tree or a, a shrub or... Several of you have. Why do you do that? But why do you do it? Is it strictly for appearances? Do you only prune it so it'll be nice and rounded? I know there is some of that. But that's not the only reason, is it? Why else do you do it? Because there, if, if there's a branch that's dying or diseased... Or not productive. It's still getting nutrients. But it's, it's literally siphoning the nutrients away from a branch that is producing. And the only way to get that other branch to produce more. Is cut off the non-productive. Right. Ah, and when you cut off what's non-productive. Then those nutrients flow more freely to what is productive. And Jesus said I'm doing that. I'm pruning You. So that you may what?
1: Bring forth more fruit.
0: So just bringing fruit, he's not satisfied with that. Now you've got to do that. That's bare minimum. Everybody with me still? Yes, sir. That's bare minimum. You've got to do that. But if you do that, he's going to prune you. Because he wants more fruit. Now pruning is not a pleasant process. Uh, You know, I want you to imagine that the Lord's getting out the shears. He's cutting some things off of your life that are not productive. It's going to hurt. It's going to be difficult. Is anybody hearing me this morning? Sometimes people say, well, I'm doing my best. I don't know why God's letting this happen. I'll tell you why He's letting it happen. He's pruning you so you'll bring forth more fruit. Amen. I think I mentioned this just recently, but the psalmist David said, he said, you know, before I was afflicted, I went astray. It was good for me that I was afflicted because now I've learned to love your precepts. In other words, Lord, before I went through this pruning process, I I had a little wild hair about me. I had a few things that I tended to do. A few places I, I went and some things I said that that I know you weren't pleased with, and, and but because of your pruning, because I had to go through some pain, because I had to go through some suffering, because I had to walk through some dark hours, I learned some things in those times that I never would have learned had I been prosperous and healthy and well. See, this is one of the problems of the, of the prosperity doctrine that's floating around out there. These people say, God wants you... Well and healthy and and rich No, God wants you saved And if you've got to be poor and sick And hurting to be saved He wants you saved Well, I know some of you didn't like that But you can quit buying your lottery tickets Oh, Jesus, help me. <sighs> I, don't, I don't want to get into lottery. I, 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 could, I could really work on that for a while. <laughs> oh, Jesus, help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. There's so many problems with that. So many problems with that. Number one, you're not being a good steward. You want to do something worthwhile with your money, take that dollar or $5 or $10 and put it in the offering plate you're going to get a much better return than you will giving it to the state of Kansas or whatever. Secondly, the thing that causes a person to play the lottery is greed. It is this profligate living that we read about in the works of the flesh. That's right. That's exactly right. It's not about right. It is right. It's greed that motivates a person to play the lottery. They want to be rich. That's greed. And the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. So save your money. Don't play the lottery. In fact, save your money on the Reader's Digest sweepstakes and the Publisher's Clearinghouse and Nigerian Chain Letters and whatever else is going to be a... Just save your money. Use it on your family or give it to the church. You're gonna, it's going to be a whole lot better uh, usage than for you to waste it with your greed. And lust and all the other things that come with it. How did I get on that? Oh yeah, God doesn't necessarily want you rich. I've said many times, we're so busy praying for God to give us a bakery that we forget he said pray Give us this day our daily bread. Just feed me today, Lord, and then I'll be back tomorrow asking you to feed me again. I'm not asking you to give me everything I need for the rest of my life. I'm asking you to get me through today. That's the way the Lord wants us to live. Amen. So he'll prune us. He'll prune us so that we bring forth more fruit. So so here we see... There is that level that's bearing no fruit. Then there is just bearing fruit. And then the third level, there's bearing more fruit. No fruit, fruit, more fruit. All right? That's not even enough. The Lord is not fully satisfied when you're bearing more fruit. Let's read verse 5, John 15 and 5.
1: I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. The same
0: bringeth forth
1: much fruit.
0: So so here's what I'm telling you, church. It's not enough that we can look around and say, well, I, yeah, I'm pretty joyful. I've got peace most of the time. Um, I kind of struggle with that long-suffering stuff. But, you know, I'm working on it. That's not satisfactory to the Lord He says look You've got to bear fruit So we look around and say Well yeah I do have some of this He says that's not good enough I need to prune you You need more fruit All right, Lord I've been through some things I feel like I can love A little bit better now I feel like I've got A little bit more joy Than what I did have Certainly some more peace In my life Than what was there before And, And the Lord says That's still not good enough I want you bearing Much fruit In fact, let's read again verse 8. We read this uh, before. Let's read it again verse 8.
1: Herein is my Father glorified. This
0: is how my Father is glorified. That you
1: bear much fruit. That you bear much Fruit. fruit.
0: That's the way the Lord really gets the glory. It's not just in us bearing fruit. But it's in us bearing much fruit. Well, praise God. Praise God. I don't see how we're going to get to any of the facets of the fruit of the Spirit today. So I'm going to say just one more thing. I want the musicians to go ahead and come. We'll just close this out at this point. But let's read again this list of the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. Let's let's read this list again.
1: But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Everyone say love. Joy. Say joy. Peace. Long-suffering. Gentleness. Goodness. Faith. Meekness, temperance.
0: Where's verse 23? We're we're behind here. Verse 23. All right. Meekness. Temperance.
1: Against such there is no law.
0: Now, let me just close with this. Against such there is no law. One man explained that phrase by saying this. There is no law to condemn such persons. These are not the things which the law denounces. These, therefore, are the true Free men. Free from the condemning sentence of the law and free in the service of God. This is it. This is where it's really at. Amen. To possess this fruit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, to possess these things and to have them abound in us is real freedom. What are we free from? From the works of the flesh. We're free from those things. That our flesh. Produces. If we allow the spirit. To produce. Through us. Let's lift our hands and love the Lord. On, let's love him. Come on, let's love him. Hallelujah. Let's love him. Let's love him. Come on, let's love him, church. Let's love him. Let's lift our hands. Let's praise him. I love you, Jesus. 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 Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Come on, everybody. Let's lift our voices to the Lord. Amen. Why don't we stand? Let's let's talk to Him for a few minutes, Lord. I want You to fill me. I want.